All right, everybody that is tuning in, Marcus Thompson should be here in one second. And I've, is that Marcus Thompson I hear? Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Um, I am going to kick us off. I, I'm going to say hello and welcome to a live edition of, we're going to call this a Warriors All-82 season preview podcast. Is uh, I just tweet I just tweeted out the link. I, we'll we will bring on people a little bit later in the show to uh, ask questions, any you know pressing questions they have going into the season. But um, let's start. Just you know, you and me, Marcus. Like I, you know, I guess what is it? In about twenty four hours, a little bit more than that, till till the Warriors kick off this title defense. What is uh, uh, topic number one? You know, highest priority on your mind? Uh, survival. This has been a crazy couple of weeks, and it felt like we're supposed to be chilling right now and and ramping up to this big day, but that's not what we're doing. We've been full go like it's the middle of the season. Middle of the playoffs. It's felt very, you know, as far as just like coverage (laughs) standpoint, like press conferences that are, you know, feel very weighty, big decisions, big news breaking items. Yeah, it has been. And you, you know, if we're feeling that they're feeling that. Oh, no question. I know they're going to be tired of us already, but you know, in a month, but uh, other than that, I'm really interested in Clay Thompson. Um, This is his first opening night in three years, actually four first opening night since 2018. So, and that was also a ring night. Clay's last three opening nights have been ring nights. What, what a life. But I do feel like, just as was the case last season, a lot of this season hinges on Clay being good and better, even better than he was last year. This kind of idea that Clay will get back to being the Clay who's efficient, defensively stout, etc. I just want to see it. I don't know if we, we, we won't get that answer right away. He's probably not going to play that many minutes. Steve said he's not ready to. He looked good Friday night, though. What did he hit? Like, man, the, the right? Stat, by like, the way, the stats were broken, so I don't remember exactly how many he threes he hit. Threes. Okay, it was yeah. six. Yeah, he ended up hitting six threes. He looked in great. In, like, 18 minutes? or like, yeah, it was like he, six. Looked, he looked incredible. Like, especially in Denver was, like, getting with him a little bit. Denver was playing really hard. You know, they got a nice little lineup. Michael Porter Jr. was was cooking a bit. So it was like, all right, they're looking a little scattered right now. Then here comes Clay with, you know, with those big threes. He's just such a – he's such a game changer for them. So I'm just – I'm going to – I'm looking forward to start this process of seeing if Clay, if last year is what we saw, like last year what we saw from him is like the new normal, or if he gets back to that other guy because a lot of the talk is all right he's had a full offseason you know he's been healthy he's been able to work on his game apparently there's a issue with his calf that they were trying to monitor make sure it's just like leg strengthening stuff. yeah yeah Yeah. his calf wasn't so now they think his calf is like strong enough so they're about to make him go you know he's about to start wrapping up and getting his condition together but to me that's just like a big deal you know because i do think from a human interest perspective clay is you know very you know i guess fascinating topic heading into the season but to me like you know first of all i don't think he's ever getting back to 27 28 or clay thompson i don't don't think if he never even had the injuries we'd probably still be seeing some sort of a a decline i think it's been interesting steve kerr has mentioned the idea of like 
fitting him in different lineups where he might even be the power forward, which is just a signal to like, you know, he's getting a little bit slower. He's getting a little bit, you know, I guess he's just not as laterally quick anymore. He's not going to guard the Morants, the Lillards of the world. We know that. So I don't think that's ever coming back. Um, but, but, you know, he doesn't really like Moses Moody is rising. Dante DiVincenzo is here. Jordan Poole has proven put him in the starting lineup and they can start a season 18 and two without Clay Thompson in the starting lineup. So I don't, he's not like absolutely vitally necessary to be like, you know, all-star Clay Thompson or anywhere near that for this team to, to survive or even thrive. I mean, they won the title last year and he was good in the finals and he's necessary at the highest levels of playoff basketball just because of what he can be. And those big, you know, bulk shooting nights he can have to just, you know, win it all, you know, win a game by himself, essentially. But on this roster, like, I think they could slow play him and, like, we wouldn't even really notice that much. I mean, just because I'm already, and maybe this is kind of the topic I'm looking at heading into the opener, but, like, where are, like, how are a lot of these guys getting the minutes that they should be getting? DiVincenzo, Moody, Poole are all coming off the bench in the backcourt? I mean, those are three guys where if they're playing 30 minutes, you're like, yeah, that's fine. So I I guess I was, you know, I, maybe I'm counterbalancing you a little bit there, but I'm like, I mean, Clay don't have to be that good, really, for this team, at least in the immediate. Yeah, he doesn't have to be, but you know he wants to be. And, like, rotations aside and, like, the, this real, like, very serious – Minutes crunch aside, we know where Clay's mindset is. And also, I don't think this is a small thing. Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins just signed for big money. And these OGs, these guys, like they're these are some prideful, accomplished guys. They want they want their due respect. They want their, you know, their legitimacy and greatness to be recognized. And I don't think Clay's gonna be ready to just push it <laughs> to be pushed aside. I, I don't think True. he's looking at it like that. Like these guys are coming to take my spot, but I, I just think he's gonna be extremely motivated to look like the Clay of old. We saw it last year in the playoffs, right? Trying to literally manifest Game Six in the finals, <laughs> like manifest Game Six Clay. He wants to be there. So to me, that's interesting. And you're right in the sense that if he is Clay. At any point, it does start making you look at well, what, what does that mean for the rest of these guys? Because if Clay is if the old Clay, yeah. if Clay is the old Clay, then there's no minutes left. Like this is not a question. So that to me is is kind of interesting in how that works out, especially with Jordan Poole. But I, I agree with you. I don't think it's, this is something we're gonna learn like right away. Even though I think he might try, I don't think we're gonna learn right away. But also the other element is. They're the hunted now. It's different trying to repeat. It's different with every game you got to get up. And I wonder how that impacts some of these young guys. Like, it's they were playing under a bit of a different paradigm. And now it's like, okay, we, we've already seen it in preseason where, you know, these dudes aren't missing against the Warriors. It's going to be one of the years where people come in and don't miss. <laughs> they just, they're going to be on, they're going to be on 10 because it's the Warriors. So even though you don't need him, at some point, it might, like, that value that he has as experience and he's been through this before, like, will pay, pay dividends. Well, yeah, you need him in May. You know what I mean? In May, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. that's when you need him. And you need him in Memphis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? yeah, you, need him. you probably need him in Denver. But he's kind I of, you could tell he's a little bit, you could tell he's a he's, like, in into October basketball, though. Like, even the other day, he's like, yeah. 
he's saying how nervous he was because he hadn't played October basketball in so long. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I think he's going to want to play a lot of games this year. I don't I expect him to play is, on, on back-to-backs. Yeah. To. I think he's like, man, come on. I've been, I've, I've been holding – I've been waiting for – to get kind of back to a real normal for a while. And last year wasn't a real normal, especially not to start. Uh, and even when he was playing the regular minutes, like – uh, you know, he wants to make shots at a higher clip. I think I think Clay wants nothing more than to have some early um, back moments. <laughs> I, just, I just think he wants that, and I want to see if he can get it. Yeah, which is like, man, I mean, if he's good and he's playing on a relative nightly basis, again, and I'm not trying to, like, bring this up already, but just it it really is. Like, I'm I'm curious about what the second unit looks like tomorrow. There are – so this roster is interesting in where you have an empty 15th spot. You have Andre Iguodala, who will, who's not going to be ready for the regular season, and who knows when he'll even play. Then you have two rookies who are Santa Cruz bound. Patrick Baldwin and Ryan Rollins are just not going to be in the rotation. We know that. So that's four – you know, we'll call them basically like off empty. The bat. Yes, yeah. four empty spots. So you that that trims it down to eleven. But the eleven are absolutely loaded. I mean, you have the obviously the established starting lineup. You have Poole as the sixth man. Again, DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green are like the veterans who came to be in the rotation. So you're already at eight right there. And then you have the three young guys, Wiseman, Kaminga, and Booty, who all had flashes in preseason that made you believe like, oh, yeah, they're ready. You know, they're ready for, for minutes. And that's 11 guys. And tomorrow, all 11 of those guys will be available. Um, and and we'll, they're going to play. Yeah. So, you know, and he, he, yeah, he'll probably go 11 deep, but still, like, play is different than, like, oh, James Wiseman got eight minutes tonight. Kaminga didn't fit this matchup. And it's just, this is, it's a very good uh, problem for Steve Kerr to have. But it's but still if a he, problem. But <laughs> if he has all 11, what lineups does he use? Who gets trained? Like, you know, player 9, 10, and 11, and particularly 10 and 11, may see the floor, but it is going to be a brief cameo. Who, we'll just, I'll ask you this question, like, who right now to you, Entering the season, do you expect to be like 9, 10, 11, or 10 and 11? Who, yeah, you might see blank tomorrow, but you're not going to see him very long. Well, I think Jermichael Green's one of those guys to start because, like, the way Steve's been talking about Kaminga and the obvious need for Kaminga, or I, I won't say need, but the obvious, like, desire they have for Kaminga to kind of take a step forward, he's going to get a shot. He's going to get, he's going to get his opportunities. He's going to get his, his starts, like, you know, when people aren't – somebody's out, he's going to be the one to start. Like, and, and if, if he's getting that, then to me, the guy who's not is Jermichael Green. Uh, and, you know, it, it, that's interesting, though, because man, Steve loves guys like Jermichael Green. He leans on those guys, right? Like, he, he loves guys who know how to play basketball and what they're doing and where they're going. So it's, it's going to be a bit of a test. You know what else within that? He likes Kaminga next to a Jermichael Green because he spaces the floor. And he likes Wiseman next to a Jermichael Green because he spaces the floor. While he, you know, a Wiseman and Kaminga pairing. Well, it did look good in that Denver game. That's the first time I've seen them on the court together. And you're like, ooh, this is kind of working. But theoretically. But it worked for very specific reasons. Yeah. Because they were playing, like, Kaminga was committed to being a slasher, being in a dunker spot, being a finisher at the rim, and running the floor hard. And not. I'm about to take this dude off the dribble. 
<laughs> because I'm nice. Yeah, uh, and he just play, overall just played a really good game, right? He had seven assists. He was moving the ball quick, quick decisions. And that's the, the biggest thing. I mean, I put it in my story today. They still uh, they were talking about the pass today, the pass yeah. from, uh, that he made to Wiseman. Yeah. Who, um, who was the most excited about that? It had to be was Steve inside just bubbling. Well, I tell you, wherever he was. Uh, if you go rewatch the highlights of that Denver game, like every time Kaminga or Wiseman are either making an individual play or connecting on a play, Joe like it was just bursting out of his seat with like a double fist pump. <laughs> he was hyped the other night. But I mean, again, I I put, I put it in uh, the story I wrote today that was like kind of like, I guess you know a, a deeper just look at kind of the state of this like you know youth movement within the, the dynasty, like they just don't want him to be like the basically don't be a ball stopper. That's the big thing with Kaminga. Just when the ball gets to you, it's the point five stuff that they've talked about. But um who 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 matters more to you this season, Kaminga or Wiseman? It does feel like Kaminga is fresher and readier off last season, but Wiseman like you can he just has the backup center job right away. That's why to me it's easier to just see him mattering right away. Yeah, definitely. To me, definitely Wiseman. Uh, like you could see a scenario where Kaminga doesn't play much for stretches, where he ends up being the odd man out. And I just don't, <laughs> I don't see that with Wiseman. Uh, number one, he just, you know, he's a little bit older. He sat, he had a year off, so he's he's fresher. They've been waiting for this, but they just don't have another option in that situation. <laughs> Like, who's playing center? And Marcus. I mean, I guess Jermichael Green. Jimmy S. on the chat says, Kaminga seems like a bust to him already. It's just his opinion. I'm I, Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to rope in some of the, the, the live responses to this stuff. Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know people was popping on yet. Okay, all right. At some point, we, pretty soon, we're going to bring a few we, people we on might to, have to, get, yeah. might to have uh, get. Ask, ask a question. I'm, I'm afraid to bring Jimmy S. on at this point. Um, but, yeah, definitely Wiseman to me. Uh what what they love about Wiseman is he he just brings something that they don't have in any other form or fashion. Just incredible size and athleticism. I mean, obviously Kaminga brings athleticism, but it's the size. It's to be able to bring in a seven one guy. And the West, like, there's a lot of bigs out there, so they, they have that option now. Where before, they just didn't. And it's also a different look. Steve's talked about that. It's a completely different look. Change of pace. I don't think he can he can make it. Remember that? Oh, remember how it was like David West and Sean Livingston? They were like this this deep super defensive unit, like a, a real super change of pace from like that potent offense with KD, Steph, and and Clay. Like he likes that contrast and being able to say, "Hey, all right, now I'm bringing in the seven footer. Now we bring it in the size." I think he likes that, and and it, it's actually pretty good. It, but he needs all of those minutes, all of those reps, all of the experience, and I think he's going to get it, whereas I think there will be times where I can see where Kaminga's out of rotation. I don't know if that will happen, but I can see it. That's, that's where the difficulty of this coaching situation falls on Steve Kerr because, to be honest, like Jonathan Kaminga in year two of, of his growth development, like he's ready to be an NBA rotation guy. And it because how loaded the roster is at various you know, points, he might, like you said, I mean, it is realistic to to believe there might be a two-week stretch where Jermichael Green's just playing well and they, you know, he's just on the outside looking in. I don't think that's good for Jonathan Kaminga. And I don't think Jonathan Kaminga will love that either. So, like, that is going to be a, a difficult balance. Uh, I mean, it's good for Jimmy S., right? 
Uh, it would be good for his agenda. <laughs> yeah, for his prediction. Uh, do do we want to? Uh, is there anything else? What's? Yeah, we might as well get some people. All right, we're here. gonna bring Dylan S in uh, for a question. Hopefully, Dylan S is ready. Wayne, see how? I mean, everyone's saying that get rid of dry, get rid of dry, but he's just as important as as Clay and Steph. And yeah, what do you guys see how he's gonna play this season? What would be the contract that you reckon he could go for if he stayed for less money? Yeah, you know, I, I, I appreciate this question because I do think, obviously, just with the events of the last well, week, on, uh, which include... Question, is that really Andrew Bogut? All right. Nah, but I uh, live pretty close to him. Oh, I hey, like You it. sound just like him. That's excellent. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, So, I just, um, you know, obviously you have the practice punch and then you have the uh, extensions for, for Wiggins and Poole that, you know, signify... Uh, a tenuous future for Draymond. And I do think, you know, uh, you know, and we've written plenty about it. I do think that uh, he is facing a, a very unknown future with the Warriors, but I think lost within that Mar- and, and Marcus, I'll get your thoughts on this, but like, you know, he remains just like absolutely vital to this team's legitimacy as a, as a uh, title threat. And, you know, people will want to point to, Oh, look, game four, or, you know, even the, we can even rope in the first four games of the NBA Finals. Like he didn't play that well. Obviously, Looney's uh, emergence in within the playoffs last year allowed them to bench Draymond in that four game four. But just look at the playoffs in general, or even the season in general. They established themselves again as a top, you know, the top defense in the league with Draymond that first few months. They fell off a cliff defensively when he was gone, and then in the playoffs, they they probably get by Denver without Draymond, but. You know, let's say they play a fully healthy Denver team this year. They need him to do what he did to Jokic in the last playoffs, in these playoffs. Uh, Minnesota, if they face that Gobert Towns front line, like, you know, you can't be going into that with Kaminga Wiseman, essentially. And it's just obviously down the line. But um, what is your view just overall of the Draymond situation and his future with the Warriors, Marcus? Uh, I think he's going to play great. I think he's going to make this really complicated. (laughs) Right? I think he's going to. He's going to remind people that even though he's not always his best, when he's at his best, the Warriors just can't get better than that. Like, that's their absolute ceiling is when Draymond is playing his best. Uh, That's when they're the champion. So, and the question becomes, when we get a little bit more space from the incident, what happens when that becomes clear to Steph Curry to Clay Thompson, right, to to Kevon Looney, to Andrew Wiggins, people who are like, yo, we want to win a title. Uh, yeah, and he has those five playoff games where the postgame story is like, I know he scored eight points, but Draymond Green is the reason. He just changed his game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so t- to me, as you get closer to that, I think you'll see it. Yeah, Dylan? Even in the game he got benched, he came back in and had two crucial It was seasons. incredible. Right? Yep, he did. Uh, and you know that part of that was because of kind of the motivation level of getting bench, right? What do you think this whole season might be to him? That's why I think he might play well. Yeah, Draymond, like this is where he's at his best when he feels like the world is against him and he's got to prove himself. He tends to get the best. My only concern with that, uh, Dylan, is you know if none of this stuff happened, we'd probably be looking at Draymond to be one of the people you rest because he's so vital. You need him for the playoff run. And, you know, if there was an issue last year, it probably was like he wasn't available for games uh, because he got he had the longest stint that he's ever been out. So 
I wonder now the fact that he needs to go hard, that he needs to play well, and he needs to prove himself. Are you just making it harder for him to be available in the postseason when you need him? And that's going to be the difficult part. I, I imagine he might start off really well, proving himself, winning people back over, reminding everybody who he is. And then if he does that well enough, maybe you start seeing him kind of ease him off a bit in the middle of the season. But I just don't know if he can play 70 games of the Draymond that we know and then still do it all again in the playoffs, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's a lot to ask. So to me, that's going to be the tricky part with him. But I don't think they can win a championship without him. Yeah, and as far as his future goes, um, you know, I'm still of the belief and, I, you know, I believe Joe Laker when he says he will not go too deep into, you know, the luxury tax, which means one of the bigger contracts I would not expect to be on the roster the following season. But, and I'm not saying they're going down this path. I don't think they would. But Jordan Poole's contract tradable, Andrew Wiggins' contract tradable, um, just like Draymond's, if he accepts his player option, you would expect that to be tradable as well. So it's not like it's been decided, even though, you know, if we're all reading the recent hints, uh, it does seem to be trending that direction. Should we bring on somebody else? Dylan, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, yes, cheers, guys. Appreciate it. We're saying, uh, okay, don't we owe him? Sam? Great. Well, I want to thank you for doing this. And one of the mo- more interesting points that I wanted to ask you guys about is regarding Clay. Because, I mean, he's my favorite player. And when it was talks about, okay, Draymond might be traded, uh, you know, next season, that's one thing. But then when Marcus in his article brought up about how Clay we might lose one or more of the original trio, like Clay being the other one. That's when my heart started to race a lot. Um, because, and I wanted to know, like, from you guys, like, what is, like, kind of the temperature on that? Like, you know, even beyond next season? Because I always thought Clay would be definitely willing to take a pay cut to stay. Uh, granted, like, his role not diminishing at the same time. He, I'm sure he wants to do more of that. But um, I always thought he'd be willing to take a pay cut. So, um what is the temperature like on clay specifically like splitting up the splash brothers like i mean with draymond i can sort of come to terms with that but splitting clay and Steph up is just tough i'll just quickly say you know before i kick it to marcus it, problem for like the idea of clay taking a pay cut is clay's two years away from even being like allowed to take a pay cut like he's on, on the books for 40 what is it like 43 million or something next season that can't be worked down in advance and next season is the blinking light like you know, iceberg ahead of the Titanic, essentially, that the Warriors are looking at from a tax perspective. So, you know, Clay, even if Clay decides to take a pay cut long term, which maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Marcus, I want to get your thoughts on that. It still doesn't solve next season's problem. Yeah, I, I think that's critical. Like that 43 is on the books. But also, I mean, I understand why people say it. If I'm Bob Myers, I'm asking Clay to take a pay cut just because. You know, you paid him $68 million to rehab. But what about Clay has ever made people think <laughs> he was okay with taking less money? Like, that dude feels like he's a superstar, right? Yep. Really so. So we haven't heard Clay talk on this. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's a guarantee that he's going to just go ahead and give a discount. Uh, the only way, I, and it, this it, is my opinion, the only way you're getting Clay Thompson at a discount is if Clay Thompson plays himself to the point that the market takes his money down. Like, so I guess you that wouldn't be a discount. You may get him on a pay cut just because he cannot get more money, but I don't think he's just happily 
you know, I'll take or the mid level. I don't want to leave. Like I might, I don't want, I can't leave. So here, here's the question, Sam. What's easier for Clay to take, a pay cut or a, bit, a roll off the bench? Oh, that's tough. He's never going to accept the roll off the bench. You but... feel me? So if a dude is saying, you ain't bringing me off the bench, that same dude just going to automatically be like, yeah, and take $20 million off my salary. We just Please don't ask know. him I when you have a chance. Marcus and Anthony, ask him. Like, fill, I mean, put that into like one of your questions. Like, talk to him a little nah, bit about that. I'm gonna give you a little hint. I'm gonna give you a little hint, Sam. We, we, that's that's the type of question I wouldn't ask at the podium, because now when you ask that, everybody has the answers. I would much rather ask that in a private setting so I can have yes. the answer to myself. And now you oh. have to get it from the athletic. <laughs> <laughs> but he's hey, but he's clearly a subscriber, so he can read yeah. at the athletic. Yeah, so we like that. Absolutely, like that is a little bit tougher than everybody else. <laughs> so, all right, I'm gonna. I choose. will choose. Um, let's see. Here I am trying to get away there. Here, want to rock with me? Come on. Can you hear me? Ah, uh, we can hear you. Hey, man, you guys do great work, man. I really like your articles. Um. I actually have two questions, a basketball question and I guess a journal question because I'm interested in like, I'm not interested in journalism, but I'm interested in what you guys write. Um, First, I'll start with the basketball one. Um, In your article, you talked about Jordan Poole, like it's an unlikely incentive if he makes an all-NBA team. Is that like how the team views him? Like he's unlikely to make an all-NBA team? Because I mean... That's actually like literally the term that's used by the NBA where a a likely incentive is something that the if it happened last season, the NBA deems it a likely incentive and they put it into the... It's likely to convey, so it's part of the assumed salary, where an unlikely incentive is something that did not happen last year. He didn't make all-NBA. He did not win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, He didn't win MVP. So those are considered unlikely, so they don't even show up in his salary. And then, you know, if he hit it, it would, you would get taxed for it at the end of the year. As far as to your general question, I do think that's, I think Jordan Poole's, and I think they believe has like fringe level all-star. And if you're all NBA, you're like a top 15 player in the league. That's pretty ambitious in my opinion, but it's not completely out of the realm possibly just because he could just be an insane, like 50, 40, 90, 24 points a game. But I honestly think that would have been more likely at least all NBA if he got away from the Warriors and, you know, if he went to an Orlando Magic and they just gave him the ball and he could take as many shots as he wanted. It feels like one of them situations like uh, Steph Curry where it's like how how does the player essentially make sure they aren't outplaying their contract to a crazy degree? Whereas Steph ends up becoming a two-time MVP, all-NBA player, but he's still on a on a you know a deal where that is what's funny all-star. right marcus if he signed this contract back in the day part of his like whatever it was four for 44 had like mvp as an incentive we would have laughed right yeah, like, right. yeah okay Absolutely. bro yeah that's crazy to think about actually but the question i want to ask about when you guys like write articles is um like for the ones you guys keep like today anthony had that article it was an article about like the two timelines so do you guys like usually have articles that you try to keep like over like a season or how does that work when you have to do articles like on a day to day, like covering the game, you know, when you do your observations, like how does that work? Yeah. I mean, every, you know, the, if I'm writing something off a game, I'm more just reacting to the game and deciding what type of angle I want to take off that. But generally, especially as me, you know, me and Marcus are around the team so often, uh, really all year when we can be, uh, you just, I mean, some stories accumulate over time and you take little pieces from, 
what you learned this day and that day. And, you know, obviously you eventually put it together. The one I did today was definitely something over the last like two weeks I've been putting together. Marcus, what would you say we do maybe like seven, eight of those a year? Like bigger p- picture pieces that, you know, take a lot of time. And then the other ones are more. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. Every piece I write is a well, I mean, where I will agree is like every piece you write comes with a, a level of like there's just institutional knowledge that is beyond, you know, the last year. It's really a 15 year story in a sense of, you know. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. I'd say about probably, yeah, probably six or seven, you know, five some years. But, you know, when, when the the team could jump that to 10 if it's if it's good enough. Uh, uh Hey, Estevan says we keep talking about Kaminga and Wiseman, but in his opinion, Moody is the most ready. I think we kind of agree. That's why we're talking about Kaminga and Wiseman because Moody is kind of locked in. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like Moody's playing. Yeah, what's not much question about it. I I wouldn't be surprised if three weeks from now there's kind of a Moody Divincenzo discussion, particularly if Clay is really like healthy and back to 35 minutes a night yeah, and Poole's yeah. getting his 30 off the bench because, you know, the backcourt yeah, minutes are scarce. Steph Curry also exists on this team. He's getting 36 minutes. So like when but it I comes to Wiggins back up too. Yeah. Well, let me ask you like who, who would you say is higher in the pecking order? Yeah. M- Moody or Divincenzo entering the season? Yeah. I kind of think it's Divincenzo. All right, we get another one in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just skip what I said. Is, it, is we'll this Tim K? Is this Tim Kawakami? Wow, Tim on it. He's not even supposed to be podding, but he just wanted to get in the live room so Let's much. Let's see if this is not Kawakami. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Is yeah, unfortunately, Kyle I'm not the TK. Although, uh, no, nah, my, my friends have a lot of fun uh, poking at me about that. For today, uh, be the, love the what you guys TK. So go ahead. I uh, love what you guys do. This is great. I'm glad we get this forum to chat with you a little bit. I had a question kind of about the future. And I know in, in terms of the financial commitments, and I feel like, you know, even with your coverage, and this is maybe more of a dating LaRue thing, but uh, with the media rights deals coming up and everyone's talking about the cap going up, et cetera, I don't feel like we're, everyone has a real picture of what those numbers are going to actually look like. Like I saw a, um, a tweet today from a, a media reporter, Peter Kafka, who said that they're thinking the media rights are going to 3x, something like that, like up to $8 billion or something just uh, totally absurd. And when you think about what the cap is at now and what's going to look like when, you know, some of these guys inevitably need to get paid. I mean, the young guys getting paid, we're kind of going out in the future a bit. I kind of am just not really worried about that in terms of, I know next year is going to be a crunch, but then if you can get past that one year, maybe you're in the red for a year with a huge bill that just doesn't seem to become like a big issue. I mean, right? I, I feel you, Tim, but like nobody from the Warriors is communicating in that fashion. Mm-hmm. They're they're not treating it like ah, oh, it's gonna be a rough year. You know the they're what I heard like, on the TV deal. Happening. <laughs> yeah, the TV deal. I've heard they've been like, oh, that's theoretical. You know, like that isn't. You know, nothing has been confirmed yet on that. Night, right, right. They need they need to calculate that in beyond the scenes. And I think that is a main driver in why Poole and Wiggins actually got done. Because I know one of the conversations I had behind the scenes is like, you know, Poole is going to make whatever it is, like 20% of the cap or something this mm-hmm. year. And he's, and you know, their 8% raise is coming up. But by the end of that deal, when he's, you know, 25, 26, he's still mm-hmm. only going to be making like, I think he might even, it might even go down. Like as far as the projections go right now, he'll only be making like 19% of the cap, even though his money's going to go up every year. 
So I think that's part of why they actually did these deals. Um, and, and, you know, these guys will be exceedingly tradable, but there's a lot to be determined, you know, right? Nobody saw the pandemic come and think about what that did. Yeah. To, I do uh, think that's also yeah. part of it too. I think they took some serious L's during the pandemic and mm-hmm. the ability to recoup that is where they want to get to the point where it's like, all right, let's, let's get some of that back. But I'm just, I just want, I just wanted to be clear. Like, I even talk about this from the perspective of, man, that'll be all right this one year. Like, don't even trip. You'll get it back in down a longer <laughs> road. But that's just not how they talk about it. They see 450 and they're grabbing their chests like Fred Sanford, like, right? Like, cause <laughs> coming up. you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, I got you. It, it just, that, that's how they talk about it. Now, some of it could be posturing. Some of it could be, you know, prepping. I still think there's a part of Joe Lacob who don't who just doesn't like going out there and saying I don't have the money, right? <laughs> well, he's I mean it, I, I think you guys have talked about this, right? Like he's not that he's he's certainly not a poor guy, but by NBA owner standards, he's not one of the the you know the real big shots like Balmer uh, or even Mark Cuban. No, I think I, honestly, and again, like don't quote me as this is a firm fact, but I kind of think he's I think he's bottom ten as far as like um, personal, wealth. you know, just yeah, like yeah. pure personal wealth, which you know. This is this is a group where I would gladly be thirtieth and thirty, um, but yeah, I, I he Man, yeah, it's not boring. I'm good. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Give my love to the inferior TK. Ooh, I like Ooh, it. Ooh, inferior. <laughs> Tim's gonna love that one. Um, all right, let's do. What do we want to do? One more, Marcus? Yeah, one more is good. Should we close this out with Jimmy S? Let's go, Jimmy S. Let's, let's, let's all right. Jimmy S. Talk all, right. Talk. all right, Jimmy, let's get your Kaminga thoughts. What's going on, guys? You heard me? What's up? Yeah, we can hear you. All right, bet. All right, so now I was thinking, okay, with the Draymond Green situation, I think that the team took, they say light years ahead. They took light years back. Not suspended Draymond for at least five games. There's no way in hell that uh, a team member should be allowed to punch another team member in the face like that and not. I don't even believe they find him to be honest. That's my honest opinion. Well, the max the like max they fine they could give is fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, we know that's not. I don't believe much. it. Uh, well, yeah, they, I don't believe uh, it though. I don't believe it. Marcus, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because you gave a, I thought a, a good summation of it last time, which I kind of do think is at the heart of it. I know it was kind of. Uh, so the, yeah, the way ahead. the way I see it, and I've talked to a couple of people who said this was you know part of it is this is this was too big to slap five games on it right like it the issue wasn't the number of games it's essentially like psychological like we want you to know that you are indebted to us like you won't be able to just do your five games and pay your uh pay your debt and be like all right i'm good this is over now right i I think they're like nah we want the we want the price to be a little bit different, I, I, because on a, on another pot of worst plus minus, I compared it to reparations, and so they were like, you know what, I felt what you were saying, but I'm I'm one of the people who like, I kind of would rather hold this over your head than to get some money and then you then you wash your hands of it. So I do think a part of them is saying, number one, I do think they didn't want to embarrass him, right? They didn't want to publicly kind of deal with this because Draymond has shown a a history of not responding well to that, you know, and they have an example of that from last time when when they suspended him a game for KD. 
But I do think a big part of it was, yeah, throwing a five-game suspension on this, and then you good. That that's not that wasn't gonna work. So I, I think the bigger price they're trying to extract is is him being indebted to what they're doing and working his way back. I Basically, think. like 365 days of punishment, not just you know a week and debt is settled. It's like permanent I mean, because Jimmy, almost. for real, like if you was in trouble with your girl, she was just like, all right, man. Hey, look, let me let me, let me tell you let me tell you guys another thing. Let me let me tell you why I'm I'm off the Draymond Green train. Like to be honest, like he he irks my life. I'm gonna tell you. Okay, so the other day I listened to one of his podcasts. Right, it's a guy who I listen to on YouTube. His name is Am Hoops. His name is Casey, and he just brought up a couple uh-huh. things about Draymond. But on one of Draymond's podcasts on episode 18, he said, "Welcome to uh 18th episode of the Draymond Green Pod." He said the same number of all-star games LeBron James has. Hey, what? No, I mean, obviously that's something that's out there plenty. Um, he's he's disgusted. He's, I want him off the team. Wow. Um, Jeez, Jimmy, come on. He can rush you four times. Yeah, no, bro, 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 bro. bro. It's, it's, it makes me almost want to throw up in my mouth. Like, I'm tired of the, I'm tired of him. Like, no lie. I want him gone. Are you fine if he's gone and no titles are coming? Like you know, they, they're off I the just, title. I, 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 no, 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 no. I, I don't believe. Gone. I don't believe that they can't get a title without him. They should have extended GP two though, because with him gone, that's going to be a huge blow on the de- defensive end. They should have extended GP two. Yeah, that's off yeah. the table at this point. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I try to trade for him to be honest. I try. I throw him a first round pick or send one to send Kaminga ass over there. I trade for him. Oh, we didn't even get into your Kaminga thoughts. Maybe next time. But, Jimmy, we, appre- we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate hey, Jimmy, you guys. Next time I do this, you need to be on here, please. I want you to come back. <laughs> All right. So the one thing I will say with the Draymond LeBron thing, like, look, he's he's just like this is a business strategy. He's part of Clutch. They they partner with a ton of things. They, I think, make each other money. And I think that's at the heart of, like, the reason why. You know, and I understand that that can irk some fans because LeBron is, like, maybe the – pinnacle rival of this entire Warriors dynasty and it used to be much more angsty but even I mean beyond Draymond LeBron's a little chummy with Steph now too right I mean there's such an appreciation for what a little yeah Yeah, exactly Uh, so I don't know your general thoughts on that but I would just say look they make each other a lot of money and I think that's at the heart of the reason why he mentions him plenty and all that yeah I'm I'm never gonna be uh, the the arbiter of who people chooses to be friends with and how they express that friendship like that ain't no that ain't my call <laughs> but that's that that's his guy man he 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 can decide how he wants to celebrate his guy that ain't that ain't for me all right uh I'm 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 gonna send us out of here sorry to anybody that uh was trying to get on stage and didn't man, we I, will... I was trying to get a woman in here come on man you want kid nah ain't nobody here. Yeah, all right. You're uh, probably right. I'm judging based on you know yeah. my understanding of uh, names and gender, which is obviously not. You can't tell based on these names, but I think we're gonna do these sporadically throughout the year. Sometimes I think we're gonna do a post game, all 82s. Uh, it's fun to kind of interact with everybody. Looks like we got a good audience today. So thank you for everybody coming on. And Marcus, are you predicting the Warriors are gonna win the title? I went on the Athletic NBA show today. And I said Warriors to win the West, Bucks to win the title. Wow, I got Warriors, Bucks in the finals too. I just don't, I just didn't pick yet. You so still, you're still say, holding out. You have 24 hours. Say, you're no, still I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. Uh, Warriors, Bucks in the finals, and 
to win the series, I got. I think you cut out right when you were telling us your winner. Wow, this is a stunning. We will never, we will never learn again who Marcus Thompson was going to pick for uh, to win the NBA title because he left the podcast right before he said it. So uh, maybe next time I, w- I will quiz him on it. Thank you to everybody for coming on.